0: Stuart, Arnie, Jacob, podcasters, reviewers, searching for a film that can be both smart and entertaining. Then the upcoming release of The Avengers alters their movie viewing. And now the podcast hosts watch each and every film based on Marvel Comics' The Incredible Hulk. They're watching all Marvel movies and reviewing each at NowPlayingPodcast.com.
1: Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't
0: like me when I'm angry. (laughs) The Incredible Hulk series contains detailed spoilers for the Hulk TV movies and Ang Lee film, as well as mild language and subjects listener discretion is advised for the conversation that dwells within
2: Today we are discussing The Trial of the Incredible Hulk starring Bill Bixby Lou Ferrigno, Rex Smith and John Rhys-Davies directed by Bill Bixby Whoa. I'm Arnie, co-host of Now Playing, here to give the greatest performance of my life. And my last?
1: Stuart in LA. Hey, this is Jacob, and right off the bat, I want to tell you, I'm single, but I'm looking for a meaningful relationship. All right, I hope that pickup line didn't work, because that was from a rapist.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It was indeed.
2: And here we are, one year after The Incredible Hulk returned. The Incredible Hulk Returns was a big rating success, and it was a no-brainer that Bixby would return again, this time the trial of The Incredible Hulk. I remember the TV ads for this. I remember seeing Ferrigno tearing up a jury box. I was big into L.A. law around this time, so this was the Hulk meets L.A. law in my mind. I was all for it. And I remember reading in Log, I was reading Log quite a bit, there were some rumors going around that this would be the trial over the death of Elena Marks.
3: Obviously, that was what you said Bixby had wanted to put a button on the whole series with. It had to be, right? If you're going to put him in court, it has to be for the thing that he's been on the run for. You're not wrong to assume that. I did, too. And I remember this one as well. I don't think I watched it, but I remember seeing ads in TV. Unlike the last movie, this was on my radar, even though I wasn't a fan.
1: And once again, I don't remember this at all. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there was a time where my parents did the whole no TV thing, and it was right around the early 90s. So that might be why, but... Right there with you guys. Trial the Incredible Hulk. Like, pilot. He was accused of murder. That's what this is about, finally, right? Nope. Arnie, give him the plot.
2: David is now a migrant worker, looking scruffy with a beard and working digging a ditch, but picked on by the burly workers. Knowing the workers will eventually make him Hulk out, David moves to the city. What city? We'll probably talk about that. But the big city, where he hopes to find work and stay out of trouble. But the city is under the thumb of crime lord Wilson Fisk, who rules the city from the penthouse in his giant tower, watching video screens and commanding his underlings to perform jewel heists and other crimes. Fresh off a robbery, two of Fisk's goons go on a subway ride, and one of them tries to rape Ellie Mendez. David, the only other person on the subway car, tries to stop them and, of course, hulks out. One of the thugs tries to shoot the Hulk, but Ellie kicks the gun hand, and the bullet shoots through the subway car window, killing a random stranger on the subway platform. The Hulk runs off, chased by police, and when the Hulk changes back to David, David is arrested for the crime. As Fisk's underlings got to Ellie, Ellie fingers David for the rape and the murder, so Fisk's thugs can go free. But in prison, David is visited by blind attorney Matt Murdock. Murdock suspects Fisk may be involved in this and offers to represent David pro bono. David at first refuses, but Murdock is insistent going so far as to visit Ellie in the hospital. Ellie's feeling guilty fingering the man who tried to save her and is about to tell the truth, so Fisk orders her killed, and he also orders David killed in prison so he can't identify the two thugs. But while David just hulks out and breaks out of prison, Ellie is saved by... Daredevil! A black-clad vigilante who protects the city through martial arts prowess. When Fisk realizes Ellie is under the Daredevil's protection, he has her kidnapped with the intent of using her as bait and killing Daredevil. He wants to capture Daredevil's death on video because he thinks it'll be the key to him taking control of all the crime families. But when he finds Ellie is kidnapped and David has broken out of prison, Daredevil goes to David's apartment where he finds the scientist about to skip town. Daredevil reveals himself to David and tells how when he was a boy he was covered in toxic waste that took his sight, but it gave him superhuman reflexes and other senses, such as being able to read written words on paper by feeling the ink raised on the paper. His father was a boxer killed by mobsters, so Matt tried to fight crime as an attorney, but with corrupt cops and corrupt judges, Murdoch's efforts were stymied, and when lone good cop Al Tendelli says in a press conference that the city needs a vigilante to stop crime the cops can't, Matt takes on the mantle of Daredevil. So for years, Tendelli has worked with Daredevil, though Tendelli does not know the masked man's true identity. When David finds out Ellie is kidnapped, he agrees to help Matt, and when Tendelli finds that Ellie is being kept in an old movie house, Daredevil goes to rescue her, but it's a trap. Tendelli calls back and leaves a message it could be a trap, so David goes to help, but when David arrives, he finds Daredevil being beaten senseless. Kingpin has rigged the place with bright lights and loud noise and the noise throws off Daredevil's super hearing sense so David hulks out and rescues Daredevil and Daredevil then feels Hulk's face as he transforms back into Banner and now Matt knows David's secret as well. Fisk believes Daredevil dead and presents his video resume to the crime bosses and meanwhile he orders Ellie to be killed but Fisk's underling Edgar has fallen in love with Ellie and refuses to offer. Daredevil and David then break into Fisk's tower and Daredevil goes to rescue Ellie while Daredevil goes after Fisk. Edgar helps David free Ellie while Daredevil beats up some thugs and crime bosses, but at the last minute, Edgar helps Fisk escape in a flying pontoon boat or something, and with Ellie safe and the kingpin having escaped, David once again picks up his backpack and leaves town to the Lonely Man score. So that is the trial of the Incredible Hulk, and right away I noticed finally things are a little bit mixed up we don't have the TV series opening credits. Instead, Bixby, our director this time, decides that instead of the opening narration people have heard for over a decade, now they need to hear him tell his own story.
3: And it's metaphorical. He's behind the director's chair, too. This is him, what, finally having control? Is it his project at this point? He didn't write it, but I'm wondering, is this the kind of whole storyline he'd always wanted to do?
2: At this point, he's very much in the lead of the Hulk. Also, by this point, he was a pretty much established TV director. He directed one episode of the Hulk years ago, but he'd been directing since the courtship of Eddie's father in the early 70s. He'd done a number of episodes of Sledgehammer, a show that I loved in the late 80s couple of the episodes of ferris bueller the tv series he'd done a lot of directing but this was the first time that he directed a tv movie although if you read some of the behind the scenes material it said he basically directed incredible hulk returns he just had a mouth box in the director's chair yeah
3: he's gotten better right from the get-go i actually feel like This is a better told story. I actually feel a little bit better this time. Not a whole lot, because I know Lou's going to pop up here in a minute. But I'll take what I can get. Any improvement over that last one, I'm game.
1: Odin! I liked the new opening here. I liked the first person narration. It gave it a different taste. You know, You think he's going to Hulk out right at the beginning. He's getting angry. He's picking up the shovel, and he keeps it under control. Right off the bat, you get the sad man music and him walking away. It knows what we're looking for. It knows what we like. It's opening up with the way every episode ended with him sad and walking away, going off to that new town. I don't know, there's something about this. It just hit me different right off the bat.
3: And I will say this, too. He gets to it much quicker. I mean, they spent 20 minutes of him and the girlfriend last time before something new happened. Here, it's very expedient. A woman wants him to stay. She's willing to listen to his problems. No. A man pushes him in the mud. Is he going to lose his temper? No. Now we get everything that it took 20 minutes for the last movie to establish in the first couple minutes. And that's expediency. If you're not going to give me a new character and yes i'm still advocating that they should have at least remind us very quickly don't belabor the point so congrats to that
2: wow wow i'm so not with you guys (laughs) i'm looking at where we start this off at this point banner's been the hulk for 12 years and I find it pathetic that he's still working as a migrant worker at his age. He's grown a beard and there's a lot of gray in it and he's past his prime. I don't know why the other guys are picking on him. It makes no sense. And after 12 years, he can't control his temper so much that he's going to grab a shovel and try to beat another guy for pushing him in some water. After 12 years of trying to repress his anger, you'd think he'd be a little better at it.
1: Yeah, I believe that's the point <laughs> I made last time, yes. Yeah, I think Arnie's just grabbed a hammer and summoned Thor Stewart, uh, because <laughs> you're making all the points that Stewart made on the last show. I don't understand what's going on. <laughs>
3: you're exactly where I was last time, Arnie, but the puzzlement I'm having is at least this is better this time. Maybe my whole disposition is happier because we're actually filming in a new place. He's going to the city, and as you pointed out, we don't know what city that is. I'm pretty sure it's Toronto, but I know for sure we're not in sunny California anymore and it's all the difference
2: vancouver actually
3: (laughs) nah nah, canada okay (laughs) no palm trees no jack mcgee no sun this feels darker they're going for something dare i say grittier at least a little bit more tonally in sync with the tragic story they've been trying to tell there's nobody going to pop up in a blonde wig and run down the beach you know lightening up or ruining the booth
2: You say darker, I say cheaper. I thought they went to Vancouver because they weren't being given any money. This thing has a bad look to it to me the whole way through
1: any worse than any other of these TV shows yeah. we've done, really? I mean, any of the Corman films? It's pretty on par as far as I'm concerned. Yeah.
2: It's probably I guess on par with the Corman films, but you compare this to, say, the last movie? Yeah. I think this one looks cheaper, and it, for some reason it looks a million times worse than the series did. I mean, in the series, the Hulk got to go to Times Square and all over the place. Here, he's just in this nameless city, and really the city should have been New York. This should be New York. We're getting Daredevil in this. We know from when we visited Ben Affleck, Daredevil cannot be separated from Hell's Kitchen. Those two are tied together, so when he says he's going to the city, and I know there's Daredevil, I'm thinking they mean New York.
3: Yeah, I think they would like for you to make that mistake, but it's definitely not. and They're not trying to say that it is New York, but it might be Gotham City here. I mean, keep in mind, this movie is debuting about a month before Tim Burton's Batman was hitting screen. They knew that, and I think that they were aligning their property to be more in keeping with that adult take on a comic book. They knew that they didn't have to be so silly anymore,
1: that they could up their game. You say cheaper, I just say more serious, a more stark Tone. i'm just gonna say it i'm kind of getting dolph punisher vibe from mm. this and that's not a bad thing as long as dolph doesn't show up that's not a bad thing in my <laughs> book
3: <laughs> no no you're right i enjoyed the gritty b vibe of that and maybe it helps that we have his cop girlfriend here too nancy everhart repeat from punisher she's playing krista matt murdoch's girlfriend yes she actually lived through doing punisher dolph and this movie in the span of a year <laughs> both on the Corman lot Probably within a week of each other, (laughs) honestly. But I don't know. I'm surprised to hear you're less into this. I actually think they do something kind of cool here in the beginning. That I'm not going to call it brilliant, but it's the kind of writing strokes that I like. They establish that there's a skyscraper in the middle of the city that blocks out the sun. And that that becomes sort of a metaphor for the crime of the city. We know that this town has gone to seed because these people can't see the sun. And they play off of blindness. That our lead villain is going to be wearing sunglasses and trying to take control. And our lead hero is... Somebody who cannot see, but seeks the warmth
1: of the sun's rays.
3: I think all of this kind of setup is actually kind of nice.
1: Yeah, and I think that's going to carry a theme out in this film, is that the writing, it's not brilliant. At times it gets kind of sitcom-y, but it's Mm -hmm. very back to basics.
3: It's a real screenwriter. Gerald DePegge, he has made several other movies. Maybe none of them great, but Phenomenon, The Forgotten, Message in a Bottle. He became a real screenwriter. The people that have written these other shows, they were not.
1: Yes, it very much feels like the fundamentals are here. At least whoever wrote this, they've been through Screenwriting 101, whereas some of these other ones we watched <laughs> recently, I don't know what they were going off of. Agreed.
2: Well, in Screenwriting 101, did they watch Beverly Hills Cop 2?
1: I haven't watched Beverly Hills Cop 2. <laughs>
3: Careful, Jacob. You're asking for a series. I don't know if you want it.
2: <laughs> You're the newbie, huh? Noted. But this opening scene where they have Wilson Fisk's goons doing a jewel heist. I mean, all we need is Brigitte Nielsen and we have Beverly Hills Cop 2's opening.
3: All right. You know, this is maybe hitting a sore spot with me and bosses. But you ever have a micromanager? <laughs> they are the worst kind of boss. And I'm going to take a minute here to speak to Mr. Wilson Fisk directly back it off. If you want to control everything, you don't have your people plant cameras over everything they're doing and then instruct them on how to break the glass and crack the safe and do all of that. No one will work for you. Everyone will hate you. This is exactly the kind of boss nobody will like. Terrible planning on Wilson Fisk's plan to try and orchestrate a jewelry heist and then not let the crooks he hires do their job. But it works. Yes, the heist goes off, but it does create a domino effect that actually brings down the whole empire.
1: (laughs) I gotta say, what is with all the video cameras with Wilson Fisk here? I mean, this is the Kingpin. We've seen him before in the last Daredevil film. I don't remember in the comics him being an audiovisual geek. I mean, was this because MTV was so big at the time? He's got his cool glasses, sunglasses, and TVs everywhere. I mean, it's a very weird, artsy vibe that I'm getting Mm -hmm. off the Kingpin here. I don't know if there's anything to it, if they're trying to offset, you know, Matt Murdock's blindness with this guy that's obsessed with visuals. But it's a very different take, and it kind of intrigues me. I'll say
2: it's a very 80s take, because back when video cameras started to be the norm, and you didn't have to get the film developed, and you could do anything, thing and the first amateur sex tapes started to happen and things I think that it was a really of the moment thing. in fact I think at 89 it was coming maybe a year too late.
3: It was addressing the fact that, yes, videotape ended up in people's lives at this point, and the accessibility of cameras, the fact that you could bring them into a robbery, whether that's a good idea or not, (laughs) still debatable, that would have seemed very, very fresh. I think that, yes, it's acknowledging the fact that video was king in 1989. And, yes, I think you're right, too. It completes the metaphor that here's a villain that wants to see everything fighting a hero that can see nothing.
2: Well, all right, I didn't see that metaphor, but the kingpin, as shown here, they never call him the kingpin, Wilson Fisk, is living a fantasy land where he's, like, the movie director of the city. Because the whole thing is all about movies, and he's editing the videos. It's not just the cameras. He is obsessed with video and portrayal and telling people, you're going to play this role in our drama. Mm-hmm. He is... A director.
3: (laughs) Almost sounds like uh, Bixby's working out some of his own issues, right? (laughs) He's been told for years what to do, and now he's behind the camera? Uh Uh-huh. I think he relates. I think he is the kingpin. I think he gets it.
2: You want to know what else I got off of this? And I actually went and looked up the writer Because I wondered if he ever worked on Max Headroom, the TV series, and had a script left around somewhere that never got produced when Matt Frewer's show got canceled. Because this really felt like one of those plots from the Max Headroom series. Those were all about people, criminals, obsessed with video. And a criminal with a wall full of videotapes commanding his underlings through videotape like this really just felt like one of those plots to me.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. And, and let's go ahead and throw in Bond, too. He's kind of a Bond villain. It's Blofeld. You know. I wasn't even sure for a while whether he could walk. you know, like He's always sitting, watching TV. That's his thing. I guess you have to. If you're trying to control an entire city right down to who's turning the safe in which direction, I guess you do spend a lot of time on your ass watching TV. But it's a familiar concept made high-tech 80s here. And you know what? I'm going to say it right now. I think it's better than what Michael Clark Duncan, got to do. And not for any fault of that actor, it's just I never understood what he was about. And here, at least, I get the villain.
2: I'm kind of the opposite. I don't get his thing except villainy for villainy's sake. He's a very cartoonish villain.
3: This is a comic book, yes. <laughs> he is cartoonish. I think that that is the correct choice. Duncan never made any sense. I honestly couldn't tell you what he wanted. This guy wants to control everything, and I think it makes him a little crazy. Particularly when we see this jewelry heist kind of spiral down into the subway. He starts to go a little nuts. It's amusing to me.
1: I'm going to say Clark as the kingpin, physically imposing, but it's the writer's fault. They didn't give him anything to do. No. Here with Davies, this is a crazy, crazy kingpin. Like, <laughs> so not the comic book at all. But he's so out there and so weird. He feels very comic booky to me. And there's so much attitude in him. Just this weird video fetish that I enjoy, it. that I like it, that however weird it may be, they're doing something with him. He's not just standing around, flexing his muscles like Clark did in Ben Affleck's Daredevil.
2: And let's talk about the casting here, John Rhys-Davies. I was so excited when this came on TV because this aired... In May of 89, and what we're showing during the commercials here, but trailers for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where Solomon made his return, I was a big indie fan, I knew John Rhys-Davies, and to see him in this gave me a little bit of happy.
3: Yeah, he's a known quantity here. I guess he's no doll man, but yeah, it's nice to see someone that I would actually pay to see in a real movie theater here. We're actually getting closer to what I was talking about, Arnie, that this is the kind of supervillain that Hulk should have been fighting all along. Some over-the-top, crazy guy that's got a plan, whether it totally makes sense or not, but that is larger than life. And I'm going with it. I think it would help if he turned into a monster, but hey, that's not what they do here. I'm going to go with the kingpin. At least they have a comic book villain for our comic book hero to fight. And he doesn't drink mead.
2: (laughs) But he's strangely obsessed with his underling sleeping habits just as bad. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's what I'm saying. They give him these weird fetishes, like his right-hand man, like their relationship is so weird. Like, how can you not enjoy this on some perverse level? Like, who would have come up with this stuff if you're just trying to do a run-of-the-mill TV show? There's something dark about this.
3: Well, it pokes a hole in the whole theory of the man controlling everything. You know, we have this cultural understanding that way up at the top, above everybody else, there's a puppet master that's making everyone do everything. You see a little bit of this and you go, oh yeah, that can can ever happen because look at how absurd that would actually be. And look at how absurd this plot becomes when it all hinges on a nearly raped school teacher. And like that becomes his focal point for most of the movie rather than running the city in organized crime. He gets hung up on one eyewitness sort of and the thing goes really to crazy town.
2: Yeah, because his two most fashionable thugs in their wonderful trench coats get on the subway after robbing the jewelry store and one of them is horny and decides ah, i'm gonna rape that girl
3: and who should be riding the train but david balsam also known as david banner he's made it to the big city he's rented a room in the house. he happens to be here at the wrong time wrong moment And I think it's interesting, she asks for his help, and he does not provide it for her. She asks him to sit next to her to create the illusion they are a couple, and he will not do it. And I thought that
2: to be out of character. He has always gone to the aid of the especially women in need.
3: Yeah, it's a shocker, huh? Yeah, but were you really surprised?
1: Like, you knew he's going to Hulk out. Of course.
3: I thought that it was a moment to show him be a hero without having to turn into Hulk. And since he wants to be rid of Hulk, what would he have done if he had zapped himself with a ray? He would be in this situation right now. Would he turn the other cheek? Was he trying to protect himself from turning into the Hulk? Or was he just hardened and did not want to be involved anymore?
1: I thought he was just trying to stay off the grid, that he wanted to disappear. I mean, that he brings that up over and over in this movie, that he just wants to disappear and be left alone. We saw that early on, where he picks up that shovel, and instead of fighting, he just walks away. He wants to be rid of this curse, and that means by literally losing who he is, just disappearing. Yeah, that's how I took it, too.
2: Me as well, but when Push comes to shove, literally, he does step up for her and gets pushed to the back of the train, and this is the first of many Shots that I'm gonna just think look so bad. Maybe it's because Bixby's getting a little older. Definitely. Maybe it's because Bixby can't direct action and hasn't ever had to direct action outside of Sledgehammer. But it's obvious that they were walking slowly in the back of the train and had to speed this footage up.
1: I gotta ask you, Arnie. We get the bulging shoe. The foot coming out of the shoe. Is this the first time for that? This is the first time I remember seeing that effect.
2: Hell no. In fact. We don't get a bulging shoe. We get three fades of a shoe coming apart that looks like a mixture of stop-motion and claymation. I don't know what the hell happened that they could transform Bixby into Ferrigno better in 77 than they could in 89, but this transformation was shit. And it's the best we get this whole movie. (laughs) Also... Where's Hulk's beard? I mean, they give David a beard. There is no reason to think Hulk wouldn't have a beard. In the comic, they gave Hulk a beard when Banner had a beard. Could they not tape the facial hair on Ferrigno?
1: This is, Stuart, you're not the comic book person. Was that even a concern to you? <laughs> because because oh, I, I feel like... Already, I get what you're saying. I just feel like we're veering off into who would fight against Superman and the Hulk. Like I feel like going <laughs> that territory, talking about the Hulk's beard. Okay,
2: understand though that I've been watching an episode of The Hulk every day for the past month for the Venganza Media Gazette, and in the past they tried to keep verisimilitude between David State and Hulk State. There's an episode where David can't walk. Okay, he loses use of his legs when Hulk powers on, Hulk can't walk and Hulk doesn't know what to do about that. The Hulk's confused why he can't walk. It would make sense that Hulk would have a beard. Because they made such a point in the series to maintain this consistency, it bothers me that they didn't hear. It also bothers me that when Hulk is running away from the subway train, not only didn't they bother to take out Lou's hearing aid, but they didn't even paint the ear green.
1: There's a lot of missing paint in this film. I notice lots of flesh coming through that green paint.
3: Uh, It probably is saying everything that I didn't even notice. But okay, if you're outraged, I'm not. I'm like, well, of course Hulk is going to come. What does surprise me is that guns get drawn and innocent bystanders are shot and killed during this train attack. As well as some spilling of styrofoam peanuts, which is kind of more <laughs> the action scenes I'm used to. It's like, oh yes, this I knew, but the guy getting shot through the window and falling over dead, did not expect that.
1: No, I was shocked that like an innocent person gets shot.
3: Yeah, again, my conception of this series is that they're trying to play to young kids, and in these kinds of movies for young kids, you do not have innocent bystanders shot and killed from attempted yes.
1: rapist.
3: Yeah, I
2: agree, but keep in mind this was 89. TV had gone darker at this point.
3: Yes, and this has gone darker too. Like I said, it just completes the vibe that we're no longer in sunny California anymore and that... Yeah, things have changed. I've been advocating that I'd want something different to the formula. It seems to be happening, but it's it's a surprise here. And I guess they have to give stakes, too, because Banner is eventually caught by the police and he's being held for this murder, right? This is what he is going to go to trial for, the death of these people.
2: Yeah, um, murder and attempted rape because Ellie got a concussion. He thinks he's just in holding until Ellie wakes up and will finger the real people, but because... Fisk is the kingpin of crime. No, she's saying Banner did it, which he finds out when blind attorney Matt Murdock shows up To take his case.
3: Like the pacing. I knew that they'd got to get these two together. It feels much more natural to have him going up a crime he didn't commit and having Matt Murdoch believe him and not know the story, but going to help him than it did for some old student to break into his laboratory with a grappling hook and show him his new Viking pet. I'm liking this setup a whole lot better.
1: I'm with you, Stuart. This seems much more of a natural flow. It just seems like good storytelling, not phenomenal, not great. Right. But good fundamental storytelling. Yes,
3: competence is what I'm celebrating here because (laughs) we haven't had it.
2: You know what? The story is structured competently, but I'm not finding myself very entertained by it yet. I'm feeling that, yes... Point A is flowing to point B, but I'm not really enjoying the way that it happens. It's almost too efficient for my tastes.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm loving the efficiency after complaining about the pace every movie. Finally, some efficiency, and it's moving along. I love it. Why can't
3: it be as terrible as the last movie? I don't know. I love it, too. Yes.
2: I'm not saying it couldn't be expedient, but I... Just feel like everything is happening so domino effect that I'm just not feeling it right now. And you know what? I just need to wait a few more minutes because we're going to be right back at Red Brown. The old ladies are my friends territory when the nurse tries to kill Ellie Mendez.
3: (laughs) I want to just... Try and understand this. And this is, again, I think this is really a parable about how trying to control the world will make you batshit and crazy. (laughs) But this woman did not witness the jewelry heist. She was not there. She didn't know anything. She cannot link these people to that jewelry heist. They're supposed to scatter, but they stay together, take a public train, and then try to rape a woman. And this is the victim of that. And because she was that woman, now the rest of the plot for this entire movie will hinge on what Ellie wants to do. I thought she was getting the spinoff. <laughs> he spend so much time on that Mendez woman. I mean, every other season, where's the Mendez woman? Why is the Mendez woman still? Like, he has become so fanatically obsessed. It's almost like a fetish movie of like, Mendez, Mendez, Mendez. Uh, come on, Fist. Snap out of it. You're trying to control crime. You're not trying to get this woman to become a star.
1: This is where I'm going to agree with you, Artie, with the efficiency, if you want to call it that, of the, uh, the storytelling, is that this crime, this attempted rape, I don't understand if this city is so horrible, it's just built of sludge and corruption. Yeah. Why is this diamond robbery singled out as like the number one case? Why is this attempted rape singled out so strongly? I I agree with you. That is a little convenient. That, sure, there is a crime and there's going to be lawyers and cops involved, but I don't understand, and they never give me a reason. These aren't special diamonds that could power up some gigantic laser that's going to blow up the sun. They're just diamonds that buy off other crime lords or something i don't know i don't understand
3: It's one jewelry store. Presumably, he's going to control all of it eventually. And the amount of manpower that he wields to do this and then cover it up, you wonder if it's going to pay off. Like, (laughs) if you have to buy half the city to commit the crime, does it really benefit you when you get the ice? I just don't think so. He's got to pay off nurses now to assassinate Ellie in the hospital because her story's shaky. She plays along. She's like, yeah, Banner is at fault. I saw nobody else else. That's my story. I'm not changing it. And because that sounded shaky to Fisk, he was eavesdropping on it. He's like, well, she must die.
2: Well, she is starting to grow a conscience. She was planning on telling the truth after Murdoch shows up. But yeah, the fact that like three quarters of the city is at the Kingpin's beck and call, including this nurse.
3: Yes. Uh, It's really the nurse. It's really the fact that it's going to come down to a nurse with a scalpel and a hypodermic needle fighting uh, the superhero that just it becomes absurd to me. I
2: found this to be comedic for all the wrong reasons.
3: So the nurse
2: is like sneaking in and doing the old air bubble in the IV trick that I've seen in a million movies. I don't, is that even a real thing?
1: Well, no, I thought she was going to inject her with air, because if you inject your blood cells with air or whatever, it will kill you.
2: Okay, wasn't sure that was a real thing, but it's certainly a trope I've seen in movies and TV and have taken to be real there. So she's going to inject the IV with the air bubble and simulate the heart attack, but who burst through the window but a ninja? Snake
1: Eyes from G.I. Joe. This is awesome. The best Joe out there. The black ninja, like all dressed in black. Right? That's who this is? (laughs) <laughs> That's who I thought. Actually, a very
2: fabulous version, like a disco gold version of Snake Eyes, because this outfit's a little glittery for my tastes.
1: I didn't get glittery. This was 89, and in the 90s in comic books, like, asymmetrical, like, thigh pouches were a big deal, and this had some of those on there, but, Stuart, you didn't like that SM costume from Ben Affleck's Daredevil. What'd you think of this one?
3: Here's what I'm thinking, honestly, when I see it. He looks like a cross between a ninja and 70s Spider-Man. I mean, it's just sort of an nylon pulled over it's barely a costume and honestly what i think they're going for batman that's what they knew what was coming up and that's what they wanted to jump on so let's just make him look as close to batman as we can it doesn't have horns it doesn't look like a devil at all no the dude looks like he's got
2: pantyhose pulled over his face okay yeah (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) i mean it's stupid looking he needs horns
1: No, no, I love this outfit. There's been black Daredevil outfits out there once or twice in the comics, but I like the simplicity. I liked this. Yes, it's not Daredevil at all. But he's a blind ninja, and he dresses like a blind ninja. Can you imagine if you're blind trying to strap up that s and outfit that Affleck wore? This is, boom, a little leotard you throw on. Very simple. It's what a ninja would wear. I like this suit. I'm going to defend this daredevil.
2: Okay, well, I'm outnumbered two to one here. But if Stan Lee was on this call, he'd agree with me. Because he's gone on the record saying this was a dumbass outfit. Because if you're a blind guy who's a vigilante, why would you wear an outfit that announces to the world, hey, I don't need to see?
3: Does it though? It does because he's covered his eyes. I wouldn't know whether he had eye holes or not. I think the whole point of being in black is they don't see you at all. Thus, the mystery of it. I'm telling you, he's supposed to be invisible. I feel like the costume doesn't draw attention to itself. It's almost like not a costume to me
2: like Captain America suit in the 70s so that nobody would remember him
3: (laughs) maybe but like what a burglar would wear you know something to make you not stand out and that's sort of not the point usually in these superhero things you want to have a flashy costume that makes you look cool and tough and all of that and this seems to be counterintuitive of that I just want to go on record I don't think it looks good I just don't think that it's that much worse than what Affleck was wearing in some ways it has more of a functionality than what Affleck was doing
2: but When he comes in... This is where the movie goes Venice Beach Captain America for me Because this nurse, she wasn't just paid off I could see a nurse getting paid off just to Inject something, but when the vigilante Shows up, the nurse suddenly loses No, this nurse is a full-on Assassin who's gonna (laughs) Grab a scalpel, the nurse Shrieks and Goes charging at Daredevil, and Daredevil Does this, like, weird Ninja leap, and she's
3: With it, she's like, I got moved Two. Even better, she gets shoved into some electrical unit and explodes. I think she's dead at the end of this. Yes.
1: I don't know what it is, but there's sparks and she's out. It was just like an <laughs> IV machine. Arnie, I don't know how you defend Thor versus the Hulk is great action. And they come down on this. Yeah.
2: This is Austin Powers type crap.
1: Here's the thing for me. If you're the kingpin and you have nurses in your pocket, of course, they're going to be secret ninja nurses. Of course they are. <laughs> like you're not just going to buy off a nurse to like check their blood pressure. No, you're going to want to make sure they're assassins. This might be Electra right here. Maybe this was their version of Electra. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. For me, if you're going to go with this crazy MTV Kingpin and all this stuff, I'm enjoying this. I like Nurse Ninja.
2: (laughs) I couldn't believe this scene.
3: I did laugh.
2: Yeah, it was funny and unintentionally so.
3: Yeah, if this is the first time that we're seeing you in big battle, having you go up against a nurse with a scalpel and a hypo, uh, yeah, any hope that I had to take this as a darker and more serious Batman version, well, you know, Batman had better targets than this.
1: And I don't think Daredevil's supposed to come off as Batman, and here's the thing, we complain about the tone with the boisterous Thor and the Grim Hulk. I think this Daredevil, he's still light hearted. He reminds me more of a Peter Parker. He throws out his little one-liners throughout the film as he's beating someone up. But I don't think the tone is wildly out of control this time, like it was in the last film. That They got a more light hearted hero with Daredevil, but it's still grounded in this gritty mysterious city.
2: Kind of. I'll agree with you, it's not as totally uneven. There's never a scene where Daredevil goes to buy beer at a bar and arm wrestle. It's all one note, but this note is getting sour. (laughs) Because now the kingpin, because Daredevil showed up once, thinks that this Mendez woman is the key to it all.
3: Yes! More about her, you know? Like, yeah, he's gonna send to kidnap her. Now Daredevil likes her, so this is the bait that he's always needed. Because no other victim he could pick, it would matter. The menace woman is the irresistible lure, the Vicky Vale.
2: And for the next, like, 15 minutes of this movie is just a bunch of craziness with, like, characters are introduced. We're introduced to Al Tandeli, who I thought was, like, a military general. I thought they were going to that Hulk versus the Army plot that Jacob talked about because he walks in, but no, it's just a really fancy police uniform, and he's trying to get David Belson to talk in jail. Meanwhile, we get scene after scene of (laughs) Mendez.
3: It should have been Krista. I want to say right now, they established early that Murdoch has this flirtatious relationship with someone that he's partnered with at his law office. It should have been Krista. If they had had a woman that he really cared about, as opposed to a unknown woman school teacher that is not important to this plot at all, that does not know anything about Kingpin or his plans and dreams, I just feel like, wow, this thing has gone crazy with Kingpin trying to obsess for it. You know who I have real sympathy for is Edgar. <laughs> it's like, I can't imagine trying to work for a man and please a man who has this kind of crazy domination scheme. And he's always like, take her alive, no killer, no take her alive, kill her in 24 hours, and then do it yourself and i'm like there are all these demands really and then you know anything you do is going to be watched and scrutinized on video anyway i mean just forget about it edgar just quit. And-, and i'm wondering during
2: all of this i'm trying to keep up with who's coming who's going who's edgar and i'm back where like Stuart wasn't the pilot i'm like hulk board we're hulk finally we get a hulk scene and it's a damn dream sequence
1: This scene is crazy, though. (laughs) This is a movie called The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. We finally get to the trial they've been talking about, and it's a freaking dream. It's infuriating. I wanted to tear up the room oh, come on, you guys didn't know this was a dream right off the bat? No, it was
3: infuriating to me because I could tell it was a dream. (laughs) And not only that, they cut away from it to have a commercial, cut back into it, and then reveal it was a dream. Like, they extend this. It's a lie. It's a lie (laughs) because they told us that Hulk was going to go on trial, and then we find out that actually Hulk is never going to go on trial. And that's a pisser.
2: And you know what else I don't like? I'm on record saying how much I hate the dream sequence fake out. I just hate it. But I don't even know when this dream sequence starts because this whole thing starts with Matt and his girlfriend partner talking to david in a holding cell then it cuts to the trial and they're
3: yelling at him
2: answer the
1: question answer
2: the question yeah Yeah.
3: was the whole thing a dream oh yeah absolutely basically they introduced the idea that he was going to have to take the stand and he said he could never take the stand and the rest of this is what he imagines going to court would be like
2: all right though i will say there's a couple things i do like here first of all first ever stan lee cameo happens right here
1: yep i saw him and i'm like i had to double check i'm like wow that's him he was on
2: the jury he doesn't get any lines maybe he just was only on set for like an hour because there's a lot of scenes of the jury that don't include lee and i would think the instinct would be every shot you'd have stan lee somewhere in it but no he's clearly there for several scenes in that jury box the other thing when he finally hulks out He's wearing purple pants. (laughs) That's
1: that's how you know it's a dream. Only in dreams does he wear the purple pants.
2: Yeah, they've never done that, have they? No, in all the years of the series, he never wore the purple pants. This is our only time to see Lou in the purple. Mm. I kind of enjoyed that.
3: I agree with you. It's, it's something I recognize. I don't think I realized watching the scene what you're saying. I'm saying ah, he's last in the pants. But when I saw him in this moment, it is how I always visualized him from comic books.
1: I just like how out of control he is in this dream sequence. There's a point where Murdoch like, tries to stop him with his cane and the Hulk takes it and snaps it and then gets really pissed off <laughs> that it broke so easy. Like It's just it's a weird, trippy dream. Like The things he gets upset over. It's like... this damn cane this is not made in america look at this poor craftsmanship like it's crazy stuff
3: There's not much that doesn't piss Banner off at this point. I feel like he's gotten worse. Like age, I guess it's (laughs) maybe it's just what happens to all of us when we get old. But he's becoming a bitter old man. And he starts to
2: kill one of the guards. And I'm like, that doesn't even fit for a dream. Again, maybe Banner's really paranoid about what the Hulk would do if like one of Fisk's people had been there. That would be
1: one thing. But when he starts choking that guard. Yeah, he knocks one out of a glass window and it gets very violent at the end there.
3: But this is all for nothing. I mean, I've always understood and enjoyed I wanna stress, I've always enjoyed the Hulk out scenes when he gets to break stuff. It's a very primal basic need that we just like to see things get busted up. Even when we know that they're props that are made to do that. There's just something satisfying about watching him tear shit up and break and bend metal that we couldn't do ourselves. That's why we wanna see Hulk. But Who isn't pissed when you realize it didn't happen? And more to the point, this scene announces there's no real point for Hulk in this story at all. He won't do anything throughout this entire movie that matters. I know, and I'm starting to Hulk out.
1: Now I know why you're upset, Arnie, because it's not a Hulk movie, and I think that's why maybe I'm enjoying it, because it's not a Hulk (laughs) movie.
2: Yeah, my skin's getting a little green, my eyes are white, and I hear that sound. And that's something else that they don't even get right. Whenever David Banner goes wide-eyed in this, they've introduced a new synth 80s score that just doesn't fit. It takes away from it when David opens his eyes and you don't hear that sound of the transformation.
1: Artie, I didn't notice any of this stuff. I think it's because you're such a fan of the TV show. No, no, no.
3: What am I appreciating by having this conversation is to realize all the triggers that make a fan excited of this stuff. Because me, my eyes go lays over i'm like ah oh, he's gonna do his thing again but i get it you want to see these same things again and again that to you brands it as this is hulk and when they don't do it it feels sloppy or it feels disappointing
2: am i also the only one who noticed that hulk was wearing slippers when he was tearing up the jury box
3: yes you were the only one yes. even, did they have buddies on them <laughs>
2: But this is all setting up because Fisk, of course, has people in prison and they get David's cellmate to try to kill David
3: I love that scene, by the way. They have this whole thing passing a shank. The only purpose to pass a shank like that is so that it is anonymous when the person gets killed. If you pass a shank into a room where there is only one other person and they shank the other person, there's no mystery about who killed the man. <laughs> we, it's the bunkmate. We got it. So whatever. I mean, these guys have never been to prison.
2: What's worse is the bunkmate gets the shank, gets in bed... And I'm like, is he really going to get to stab Banner? Is Banner going to hulk out well wounded? No, in a scene out of the three stooges, (laughs) Banner just happens to sit up at the moment the shank goes through the mattress, gets caught there. The bunkmate's freaking out trying to hide the shank. Banner's oblivious. My eyes are white and my skin's going green and my shoes are starting to tear.
3: More to the point, later, this whole dream sequence that takes forever, he could be shanking him all night long. He, he's not even doing it. He's asleep. I'm like, talk about a missed opportunity. Whoa. It's all clumsy. And I think we're saying the same thing, Arnie, here, is every time that the story is trying to bring in Hulk and Banner, it's failing. This is not the trial of the Incredible Hulk in any way. It should have been called Incredible Hulk Gets a Lawyer. But that's really <laughs> what it's about.
2: When it drove home is after the dream sequence, Banner goes and I'm like, Oh my God, we're getting two Hulk outs in a row. Admittedly, one was a dream, but now he's hulking out for real. We see the contact lenses. And then it cuts to the bunkmate waking up as we off-screen have Foley sound effects of the Hulk rampaging. We don't see Lou. We don't see clothes tear. What is up with this budget that they can't afford a freaking shirt to tear? No, we're just going to have it all off-screen and then see the bunkmate go, Ooh, the bar's bent. This is crap.
1: You don't have to show everything. I (laughs) mean, Uh, come on. No,
2: Stuart, back me up. You just said we like to see Hulk tear shit up.
3: Let's see Hulk tear shit up in prison. (laughs) Yes, that would have been fun. But at the same time, like I said, given that the previous scene, the big breakup scene, was a dream sequence, that was literally the moment where I realized Hulk doesn't matter here. And that I should be paying attention to what they're really trying to do here. Daredevil. And that's kind of where I put my energies. From the rest of the movie, I ignored that Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno were in it.
2: Well, that's good, because so did the writers. But at this point, I'll agree with you. If I could go with this Daredevil the way I went with Thor, I might be on board. But this Murdoch is just really driving me nuts. I wish that daredevil had been exciting i wish that daredevil had even been syndicated 80s television exciting
1: he is come on when he's saying be very good read a book come on (laughs) like i'm tuning into that show every friday night That's a very noisy knife. Yes, I love that stuff. I mean, he's Peter Parker as Daredevil, throwing out those little quips. I like that he's lighthearted, but he's still gritty enough to be in this city that they're portraying.
3: I think they're close. I actually think this Daredevil, if it had been standalone, would be only second to maybe Doctor Strange and being a successful carry-on of a hero. I feel like the problem is that they worked so hard to get Banner and the Mendez woman into this. They're not the story they want to tell but I like this guy the suit's problematic sure but I actually think he could have worked he's better than Red Brown I definitely think he's better than Ben Affleck
2: oh you guys are just on crack no he is not better than Ben Affleck Rex Smith is terrible he does not look tough he does not look blind he does not sell me on his character at all. And I looked this guy up. He's best known as the guy who got to star in 13 episodes of Street Hawk, the motorcycle cop show before it was cancelled. This guy could not have carried the Daredevil successfully. You know what it was? He's 8 years early to the game, but he reminded me so much of that syndicated superhero show, Nightman. And that's a terrible, terrible show.
3: I think you're wrong. I think for 80s television, He's at least as good as Manimal. I mean, I feel like this is the kind of guy that they get. He's got a bland charisma. I totally buy him as a lawyer, and I totally buy this whole setup that they have here. I feel like it's actually fairly faithful, yeah? They don't get to show us like they did in the Affleck movie, but his backstory is identical. They've really kept it close to what it's supposed to be.
2: That I'll give them props for, and before I read comics, because I didn't read comics until the 90s, this was what I knew of Daredevil, and it's still from this movie that I knew Daredevil could read writing by the ink raised on the paper and all of that.
1: Yeah, even when he's wearing gloves, which I thought was kind of weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
2: I thought the same thing. I'm like, wow, that's really sensitive. Or thin gloves.
1: It might not work using your iPhone with those gloves, because you need the static touch, but you can still (laughs) read the ink on a piece of paper. But he's worked with this Tindeli cop
2: for years. Tindeli doesn't know his identity.
1: Yeah, Duart, you said Batman? Here it is. Here's Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. This is where I got that Batman vibe. The one uncorrupted cop pleads for help. I kind of like that. Again, I almost got that Punisher feel too, where, hey, we need someone, wink, wink, nod, nod, that's going to take the law into their own hands and do what we can't do. Mm-hmm. Like That's why I think I'm enjoying this, because I'm getting a Batman Punisher type vibe off of this. I like it.
2: If only Tendelli had eaten some pizza. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, he's no Lou. I'll give you that. But I feel like the stock character is there, and I'm not missing the priest and the reporter that they threw into that Affleck movie.
2: Did either of you recognize Tendelli?
1: I keep trying to think back to my police academy knowledge because whenever I see a cop, that's where I go. Well, were they in a police academy movie? But no, he's I didn't. He's in
3: Jaws about. too. That's all I can tell you.
2: I don't recognize him from Jaws 2. I didn't catch him back then. I guess because just two years after this was when I got into my soap opera phase. Only you,
1: Arnie.
2: <laughs> Only this, you. This is Stefano Demera from Days of Our Lives. For like 30 years, that was his role.
3: Did he hang out with Lisa Rinna? He did, actually, Yes. <laughs>
2: But he's given nothing to do here. I really think they are really just setting him up for the Daredevil spinoff. I'm never sure they really intended a Thor spinoff. I read it. I read it in Starlog back then. Maybe the guy who played Thor hoped for it, but I don't know that that was ever a producer's concern. Here, it feels like they've got the sets, they've got the cast, they've got Daredevil the series ready to go for any network that would pay for it.
3: Look, what it was last time was Thor was guesting on Incredible Hulk. Here... Hulk is definitely just passing through an episode of Daredevil. This is designed for a show. All these people that don't matter, like Krista. Like I said, why introduce a woman that has a crush on him and they don't do anything with it other than that you know, this is something we're going to carry on. I mean, all of this, the token black guy, the police commissioner Gordon character, all of this, yes. It speaks to them being much more confident that they had a TV series. And again, I'll advocate. I think they're confident because Daredevil is their character that is most like Batman, and they know Batman is going to be the big thing. I mean, people are wearing the shirts by this time. Batman is everywhere, and they want in on it.
2: We get to see the whole Daredevil origin of how Tendelli said, we need a vigilante, and he just happened to be standing in the press conference.
3: They said that there was Municipal Hall. It looked like a pub to me, and he acted (laughs) like he had spent all day there. I just want to know, where's the Mendez woman? That's what I'm caring about. What's going on with her? She's at the theater. (laughs) With David Bowie and the spiders from Mars. What is this?
2: I don't get it. They went to the theater where the spiders on Mars premiered or was filmed or something.
3: I'm expecting to see a cool web or at least a Spider-Man joke. It's a bunch of scaffolding. Look, they ran out of money. They're like, let's just shoot it in a movie studio and we'll have the action here. I mean, they literally at this point don't have anything better than to shoot on the very sound stage that they don't have a set for.
2: I think that explains the Hulk's break out of prison scene as well. <laughs> But yeah, Daredevil goes and they flash lights and noise at him because we all know when making a movie, the best thing you can do is over light and have lots of noise. But it serves to kick Daredevil's ass.
1: It's just so strange. They're playing some kind of like New York no wave. (laughs) <laughs> atonal rah, rah, music like it's this weird music video that they're making and i'm digging the style and the attitude of this that we're not just going to blind him with like white noise or something it's going to be some crazy experimental alternative band because grunge is about to break or something i love this scene
2: i will give you this i love how John Rhys Davies looks in the scene, because he's got his glasses on, he's backlit. I just love the way he looks. And yeah, it is really music video. I expect like Rat to come out and the crazy cobweb lady.
3: Rat with two Ts, the yes. musical group. The yes. kids today, they don't know what that is. They think even <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese is coming out.
2: But David shows up trying to help him. And all right, David sees Daredevil getting beat up. He can't Open the door, and so he hulks out. And you mentioned last podcast, Stuart, that Hulk always seems to come out when David's bitch slapped.
1: Yeah. Here he's just pissed off that the door's locked. Hey, when he first hulked out is over a flat tire in the rain. I I don't think this is unprecedented. (laughs) Look, I don't like this device.
3: I don't like the fact that when the writers decide they need Hulk, they're going to give an arbitrary reason for David to get mad when he's got plenty in life to be mad about. If I were David, I'd be mad all the time. I'd be mad I'm in this movie. I'd be mad about Thor in the last movie. I'd be mad all the time. I would never not be Hulk because I'd be so pissed with how. My life is gone.
2: Hulk finally does something. He saves Daredevil's ass.
3: Yes. And Daredevil takes a photograph of his face, I guess that's what he wants to call it. It's kind of a homage to Lionel Richie Hello. And now he knows (laughs) that Hulk and Banner are the same.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of perplexed. As much as this movie has been about Ellie, the Hulk saves Daredevil, lets everyone else go. (laughs) Okay. I guess we still need Daredevil alive for that future TV show. Ellie, uh, we can take her or leave her.
3: Yeah, he ought to be mad about how much this guy in a nylon suit has been taking his movie away from him. You'd think that he would be happy that Daredevil was out of the picture.
1: I gotta say, there's something that I do like. There's a kernel of storytelling that they start to do with Banner and Matt Murdock and this whole radiation thing and it's not executed very well. I get that, but I like that they kind of have this connection. They've both been Affected by radiation, and he's going to look at Murdoch's eyes and see if he could see if there's a way to fix it. And it's not a very convincing. He kind of just makes him tilt his head up into the light, and is like, "Nope, nothing I can do for you." But I liked that they start building this relationship over. They're both radiated superheroes, like it's a very bromance comic book thing to do. Like we're brothers because we've both been exposed to deadly radiation.
3: Yeah, they're trying their best to bring in these shadings. I always give screenwriters props when they can find these little devices. Daredevils in. Infrared is actually infra-green. They're trying to say the last thing he saw, Splash with Toxic Waste, was green and the contrasting of the green. I mean, they try. They try all these little tricks to make them seem like, yeah, brothers from another mother. But I think Arnie's going to cite this as a criticism. I'm just going to point it out as the way it is. Daredevil is just inherently more interesting than Hulk is. I don't care about Hulk. Every time Hulk is here, I want him gone because he's not serving the plot.
2: For me... I came to see Trial of the Incredible Hulk, not Daredevil's tryouts for a series, and... I'm a big green rage monster. And now we get to just see David nursemaid Daredevil back to health. And he's like, I can fix your body, but I can't fix your spirits.
3: David ought to be damn ashamed of this. He's been spending how many years running away from the beast and trying to eradicate it. And now he's going to tear Daredevil. He should keep putting on the nylons and going out there and fighting crime. He's not a crime fighter. He's a coward.
2: (laughs) He is not a coward. He's always helped... The people in need, including Mendez.
3: No, he did not sit next to her. He wouldn't even get up and move one seat over. That man is lazy. But here, I thought
2: that he was subscribing to your philosophy, store because he goes, I've denied my gifts for too long. I'm like, is he finally saying the Hulk is a gift? Oh, no, he means his knowledge of medicine.
3: <laughs> i know that's what i mean just what a hypocrite i mean like it's furious i want bixby off the screen at this point who can get well with someone like that standing over you
2: meanwhile wilson fisk has decided eh, we'll just edit this daredevil video he looks dead enough it's my video resume
3: i
1: love this
3: <laughs> maybe we can cut in some duran duran and cindy Lauper, and no <laughs> one will notice that Hulk thing running in and ruining our shot
2: You know, this is what's wrong with the millennial generation. They don't believe in resumes. They want video resumes. And Kingpin started it, so he needs his ass kicked just for that.
3: (laughs) But they do make a point I want to draw out here. There's still some debate about where we're at and is this New York. No, he's inviting all the gangsters from around the country, including L.A., New York, and Chicago. So we know it's not one of the three big cities.
2: But it's apparently the states, which I didn't get.
3: (laughs) No, I didn't get it either.
2: I really thought Tendelli was a step away from a Mountie. But yes, he brings all these crime lords and gives them the diamonds as a bribe gift. I don't know. I love the one who just pours the diamonds in his pocket, though.
1: (laughs) Again, are these special diamonds that will help him build a magical laser or are these just regular diamonds? Because yeah, there's a lot of them. It's a whole champagne glass full. But if you're a crime boss... Doesn't seem like that much of a payoff. I don't know. Maybe I'm just underestimating the cost of diamonds these days.
2: Really, they weren't that big of diamonds. You know, if they, they were maybe quarter carat to fill that many in a glass, those are cheap. I mean, if I was one of those crime lords, I'd be pissed. I'd rather have one giant diamond than a pocket full of junk.
3: Look, a real criminal doesn't break into a jewelry store. He uses the jewelry store as a front for his real crime operations. I mean, these people are small potatoes pretending to be big. But that's what makes Kingpin here so charming, is that he is trying to be the biggest soul control. The head of the octopus is what he's auditioning to be. He just ends up like a fool flailing in his own excrement. (laughs) It's hilarious.
2: Not as hilarious as the fight scenes coming up.
1: (laughs) True. Intermission.
2: (laughs) Daredevil zip lines to the building. And I'll admit this was when I first thought Nightman because this is some of the worst blue screen ever.
3: Or at least
1: this podcast. No. <laughs> I mean,
3: I'm never going to say ever again. Because the journey <laughs> I've taken with Marvel.
1: Artie, I just don't get you. I mean, you said we got to judge these as TV movies. I just feel you're holding this one to such higher standards than the rest. This is a TV movie. I don't know what you're getting so upset about, except that it's not a Hulk film.
2: The giant penis in Doctor Strange looked better than this.
1: Oh, the penis
3: is awesome. We're <laughs> not going to knock that penis. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. But yeah, that had some atmosphere. Here, it just kind of looks a hair better than Adam West Batman. I mean, it's not good. I'll give you that. But to me, it's no worse than Thor's battles.
2: I think it's worse than Thor's battles. I think it's worse than 60s Batman because they're trying to do more and failing.
3: No, I don't know that they're that more ambitious. But splitting hairs here, uh, the climax is not very good. And, all right,
2: I got a lot of problems with this climax. David goes with Daredevil.
3: Sort of. He goes in through the front door and (laughs) takes an elevator, and Daredevil feels like he needs to use the zip line. But yes, they're in cahoots.
2: But unlike last time when he was with Thor, and Thor's like, we need the green troll, here, you just expect that it's going to be Daredevil and the Hulk versus the Kingpin, right? Right?
3: I... I, Right? Right? I was stunned that Bixby's big fight involves, what was it, uh, like a potted plant and a pillow? (laughs) Really? A potted plant and pillow fight is what this has been building? Did Lou just, like, not want to (laughs) work? I'm convinced they had Lou for maybe a day and a half.
2: I am really turning green because David never gets angry this whole ending Everything goes David's way, and we never see the Hulk. Yeah. What the hell? Meanwhile, Daredevil goes off for some poorly choreographed fights and
3: goes up against the Kingpin, who escapes. Well, they had to do that because he's going to be our villain in the series. What they didn't have to do is put him in that duck boat. (laughs) What was that? That was a Star
2: Wars (laughs) land speeder. (laughs) With a propeller on the back.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it looked like a slightly faster version than the tram on It's a Small World After All. I mean, it was amusing. I gotta say, I liked it in a crazy sort of like, that was something I didn't see coming. It's like, they're fighting, he runs into a room with high voltage, I'm like, oh, this is where he's gonna get electrocuted and die. No, the walls collapse, and suddenly, they are on a theme park ride, heading off into who knows where. I thought it might have been a blimp. It was moving so slow. Yeah, it's, and I'm convinced yeah, Dared. No, well, probably, if he could see, he wouldn't have believed it. It was like he just like ah, let this one go. I just won't look good trying to beat up on these people in this. <laughs> That's like trying to take someone down in a golf cart. It just, no, all right, if that's what you're going to (laughs) do, I'll catch you next time around. This is embarrassing.
2: And that's it, really. That is the movie. That's how it ends. Fisk leaves. Hulk no show up. Daredevil never wins. He he doesn't catch Kingpin, nor does he acquit David. Yes,
3: nor do we ever get a trial (laughs) in the trial of the Incredible Hulk. No one ever goes to court. A lawyer show in which no one actually ever goes to court. We got a dream sequence. One of the
2: people involved in the production, I don't know if it was the writer or Bixby, said it was a metaphorical title of the trials that the Hulk has to go through in this movie.
3: (laughs) Well, I think Arnie's going to execute them for it. Capital punishment.
2: (laughs) Well, we will see. Is there a Hulk movie I won't recommend? Let's find out from you guys first. Jacob Stewart, do you recommend The Trial of the Incredible Hulk? Jacob?
1: Look, I'm getting something different than the last few movies that I haven't recommended. I liked the grittier take on this. Again, it reminded me of the Dolph Lundgren Punisher, kind of that weird grindhouse vibe with MTV villains and no wave music playing to defeat their blind ninja. Like it was really kind of out there for me. And I kind of enjoyed that, that it was giving me something different. If this was a theatrical release, I probably couldn't recommend that. Maybe. But it is for TV. So Reef said we're going to be judging these by TV standards. And you know what? It moved away from the Hulk stuff, and it gave me the Daredevil stuff, and I didn't mind that. If Daredevil had gotten picked up, I would have been there to watch that pilot or the first episode of Daredevil. So I like this. I, it was something different. It's not something you'd expect, for better or for worse. I, I think we're going to hear from some of you that it's for worse. But, yeah, I, I'm going to give this a recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
3: it's the same scenario as last time. You have two different characters. The difference for me is I actually like one of them now. I was not with the Hulk story or Thor story last time, but this time Daredevil, okay, not the suit, you know, yes. He should have had a DD on him or something. But, you know, even Dolph couldn't get a silk screen. It was Corman. <laughs> what do you expect? They were dealing with what they could. For a rip-off Batman show, Daredevil would have been fine. Better than The Flash, which would come a year later. It was not a bad attempt. I kind of liked some of it. But hey, this is a Hulk movie, and there is no Hulk here, and they have all of this nonsense of us waiting around for a trial that doesn't come to being. I just feel like at the end of the day, if they had been more true to their roots and made a standalone superhero show, I probably would have mildly recommended Daredevil. But the trial of the Incredible Hulk, nope, it will not receive a stay of execution from me. It's not recommended. Not a strong one. This is clearly the best episode I've seen of the Hulk since the pilot but it's not recommendable
2: i agree it's completely not recommendable but i disagree that this is the best episode since and this is someone who has been mired in some of the best and worst that bixby has had to offer as banner and the hulk this thing isn't incredible it's the abominable hulk This is a travesty. Like Stewart said, it's completely lacking in the Hulk that's in the title. It all depends on whether or not you go with Daredevil. I couldn't, and perhaps it's because Daredevil is so showing up the Hulk at every turn that it's pissing me off, or maybe it's just because I don't like the actor who played Daredevil in this. I never warmed up to him. He came off as smarmy, and he never came off believable. And really, this movie ran for an hour and 35 minutes. It would be a two-hour movie, but every time Daredevil or Banner got in a fight, they sped it up to two times speed. Everything is just so cheaply sped up, so cheaply done. And you know what? I'll tell you, when this ends and David's walking down the road like David's want to do, they even sped up the Lonely Man theme instead of the usual da-da-da-da da 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 It's da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And you know what? Good. Banner couldn't get off this screen fast enough for me. It is the first time. Five seasons of The Hulk, two TV movies. This is the first time David leaving town didn't make me sad. They slowed the theme down again for the final end credits. It's too little, too late not recommend now. And you know what? I had to recall when this was ending. I felt this way when this aired in 89. And you know how I know? I never have seen the death of the Incredible Hulk. This stopped my fandom for this. I wanted no more Hulk. Wow. And I've never seen what we're going to watch next week.
3: Wow, I'm stunned that you could still be this outraged, particularly when so much of it is so much better than what we've been watching. It is not. It is. This is the
2: worst thing that, that where Lou has ever donned green body paint.
3: Yeah, be careful because Lou's made some, I don't know, Hercules too. And
2: this includes the episode of Amazing Stories that he picked up as Hulk. This includes the Mr. Rogers neighborhood making of, this is the worst this is the
3: pits the worst Lou Ferrigno movie that's scary the
2: worst Lou Ferrigno Hulk appearance
3: okay okay Uh, yeah clarify that
2: that's what I've said I said I said green body paint I was specific
3: I'm like you know he made a movie with red brown right
2: but there will be one more Lou Hulk appearance in the death of the Incredible Hulk
3: And we'll be discussing that next week. I will come with my shovel. I look forward to it. This franchise has not gone as swimmingly as it has for you, Honor. You've come
2: not to praise Banner, but to bury him?
3: (laughs) Whatever it takes. Two more, and then we're off to the real Avengers movies.
2: Well, we'll talk to you next time, puny humans.
0: Fine battle we had ain't Banner? Me and your troll told you he would win the day banner odin willed it when the trolls upon you you're a mighty fighter you're not mad yourself <laughs> i know thank you for listening to this episode of the now playing incredible hulk retrospective series
3: you know what scares me the most is it when it happens when it comes over me and i totally lose control
0: Part of our Marvel Comics movie retrospective series. Whether you know or care, I've got a lot of pride
3: in what you've done, but this is too big for you.
0: Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another movie based on the Marvel superheroes through the release of The Avengers this May. I've done my homework. The
3: work you're doing here is
0: dynamite. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to check our archives where you can find reviews of other Marvel comic movie series such as Ghost Rider, X-Men, Howard the Duck, Man-Thing, Blade, and Captain America. You think I should?
1: Yeah, you're great with that stuff. If we don't get impressive results today, we're going to have a really hard sell come Tuesday.
3: Well then, let's go be impressive.
0: You can also listen to our non-comic-based movie reviews such as Predator, Rocky, Rambo, Star Trek, Terminator, The X Files, and many more. How little you understand, Miss Ross, and how dangerous your ignorance has become. You will also find individual movie reviews such as Cowboys and Aliens, Inception, and Avatar. It was like a dream. About what? Rage, power, and freedom. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this show with other listeners.
1: We're going to have to watch that temper of yours. You know, my mother always used to tell me
0: getting angry doesn't help. You can also follow NowPlaying on Facebook and Twitter where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. You can trust me to do what I think is right, not what you think you want. The links to our social media pages can be found at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Let's go I'll go You just watch me go Support from listeners like you Help keep Now Playing operating You cannot imagine The unbearable finality of it What can I do? You can find a link to donate using PayPal At the bottom of our website NowPlayingPodcast.com
3: Come on, Bruce Let's see what you got You think you can live with it? Take it!
0: You can also show your love of now playing podcasts by shopping in our store, where you can buy panties, t-shirts, coffee mugs, calendars, teddy bears, and much more. You see, I can partake with the essences of all things. (laughs) Do you really believe that I am separate from you? Now Playing's Incredible Hulk retrospective series is edited by Arnie. You poor soul.
1: I guess we've all got our crosses to carry.
0: Now Playing credit narration by Brock. This will be the greatest performance of your life, and the last. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises, Universal Studios, or Image Entertainment. The Incredible Hulk and all of the Marvel universe contains is the property and trademark of the Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. Peace of mind is for the dead, my friend. I guarantee. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media, Incorporated. Think of all the harm they've done!
3: To you, to me, to the melody.
0: Now playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2012. All rights reserved. I suppose I'm leaving now. Good guess. We've caused enough trouble. Call me when there is war to wage, demons to fight. Farewell. Farewell.
3: Slay. That was what you said ba- Bixby. I want to call him Banner. Superhuman
2: reflexes and other senses such as being able to read Witten words on... <sighs>
3: David... Yeah. batman is going to be the big thing i mean people are wearing the shirts by this time batman is everywhere and they want in on it
2: my girlfriend had the retainer
3: they Had a batman retainer like you put in your mouth yeah,
2: i kid you not like an orthodontist batman retainer <laughs> wow i it was purple with a bat symbol and wow. that was before the movie came out <laughs>
3: <laughs> anyway i made my point yes no!